Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you need a Bible this morning, just wave at our ushers, and they'd be happy to pass one to you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5 once you have a Bible, all right? And just wave at them, Matthew chapter 5. I want to thank you all while they're passing those out. I want to thank you for something else. Um, I had to go out to my car after, um, after the 9.30 hour this morning and grab something. And as I went out there, I saw, I was looking in the field, and there are cars everywhere in the field. So thank you, those of you who, when I asked you if you were able and willing to park out there, thank you for doing so. Now, my dear, lovely wife this week, she said, Troy, what are you going to do when it starts raining and that's a lake out there? And I thought, thanks, Lori, all right? And, and, and here's my answer. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out when it starts raining, all right, what to do with all of that. But thank you, those who have been willing to do that and help us with some of our parking pressures that were going on. And it changes from week to week, but uh, thank you for, for helping us that way. All right, we're going to continue on today. This is part two of Blessed Are the Peacemakers. And as we talk about peace, of course, there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, that's what Jesus said. As he's going through what we call the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons or the children of God. Peace. And we talked a little bit about that last week and what it is to have peace with God, how he has saved us, how he has made provision for our salvation, how he indwells us by his spirit, how he leads us, how he brings about that peace. But peace, when we talk about in our day-to-day living, it can be an elusive thing. Uh, there's a quote that I, I, I read this week. Some attribute it to Thomas Jefferson, but there's no evidence that he actually ever said it. He said, peace is that brief, glorious moment when everyone stops fighting to reload. Um, sometimes that's about all you can have because Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives give I he's saying there's a peace that i have and it is very different than what the world means when it talks about peace when we talk about peace in this world we are really talking about the absence of something that's really what we're talking about if we say we have peace we have the absence of conflict we have the absence of war we have the absence of poverty we have the absence of conflict in some way we have the absence of discomfort We have the absence of something, and we call that peace. And Jesus talks about peace. He's not talking about the absence of something. He's talking about the presence of someone. That is true peace. That because of the presence of someone, I can have peace no matter what's going on. Now, stay right there in Matthew 5 with me, but I want to read a verse for you. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 20, It says this, and through him, meaning Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, just what Jesus did, making peace by the blood of his cross. That little statement is very, very important because you and I need to understand this. If we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to be the children of God, we're going to be called the children of God, we need to understand that little phrase, making peace by his blood on the cross. What Jesus is saying is 
Peace isn't the absence of something. It isn't the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of someone, namely Jesus himself. And what he was willing to do was to sacrifice everything, to, to have that mindset. That's what Philippians tells us. He who was in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself and made himself of no reputation. He was willing to sacrifice everything in order that you and I could know peace. Peace with him, peace in him, peace through him. And when he calls you and I to be peacemakers, children of God, he's calling us to the same thing. I don't want to sugarcoat this for you this morning. I don't want it to sound sweet and easy because what we're going to talk about is not easy. As a matter of fact, it's in, apart from the work of Jesus Christ in you and me, it's impossible. We cannot do it. But it is a calling that we have if we're going to be the children of God. If we're going to look like our father, if we're going to look like our brother, by the way, that's what scripture says. We are the firstborn of many brethren, or he's the firstborn of many brethren. We are the many brethren. And so here you have Jesus being this model for us, the father being this model. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the, he's also the spirit of peace. And so you see in the Trinity, this idea of peace. The father is all about peace. He wanted to make peace. He wanted you and I to be able to be at peace with him and in him. And so this is something that he desires for every one of us. And he wants us to, to be engaged in it with every person in our life. To be a peacemaker. This is challenging. We've got to tear down certain misconceptions, especially in our culture in our day. Because in our day... Peace is, and being a peacemaker means really being tolerant. I, in order to be a peacemaker, I have to be tolerant of every thought or idea, of every belief, of every activity. That the way that you have peace is you stop being narrow-minded. You stop being... Yeah. Well, I'm going to say it this way because the, here's the reality of it. You really have to stop being a Christian. Because Christianity is by its very nature opposed to lies. It's opposed to the culture of this world. It's opposed to it. Christ said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But whatever Christ provides for you and me, the enemy says, I'm going to come along and I'm going to counterfeit it. I'm going to give you a counterfeit of what God wants to give you. And that our world has done very, very effectively. And so often you will hear, and you may even adopt this mindset, the way that we have peace is we just let stuff go. Don't talk about it. Don't address it. Um, you know, it is, let everybody do their own thing. Whatever you believe, your truth is good for you. My truth is good for me. Just let everybody live and let live. Can't we all just be, I'm going to show my age, but ebony and ivory, you know, side by side. All right. Those of you who are too young, you have to go back and look it up. All right. That all sounds good. That is not biblical peace. It doesn't work. It doesn't even work in the world. But that's this idea. So you're going to have to take and confront that idea of peace as we go through this message today. 
Because that really isn't the peace that Jesus is talking about. Now, on the other hand, there have been many well-meaning Christians who've gone out and made war for no reason at all. All right? That's also not what he's talking about. We're going to look a little bit more at what he means and what he's talking about this morning. Here's the challenge. First of all, I've got to know peace to be able to be a peacemaker. I've got to know it. You've got to know Jesus personally. You've got to be a child of God. You've got to be in relationship with him to be able to be a peacemaker. It is impossible otherwise. In every one of these beatitudes, there's a, there's a Greek pronoun in there. And this little Greek pronoun means they and they alone. So in every one of these, the pure in heart, they and they alone will see God. The merciful, they and they alone receive mercy. Those who, are hunger, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they and they alone. And when we get down to this one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they and they alone will be called the children of God. They're the only ones. There is no other way. Jesus is laying this out, and it's very narrow. And the thing that I find about Jesus is that he doesn't call me to be narrow. He doesn't call, call me that way, but he says he is. He says that the way to follow him is narrow. There's a broad way out there, and it seems right. It seems like the best way to go. And he said, all kinds of folks go that way. But he said, the way to follow me is narrow. It's, to use our terminology today, it's often intolerant. Now, please don't hear me say this morning that you need to go out and live your Christian life in such a way that you're just you're constantly causing strife and conflict and turmoil everywhere you go because we are called to be peacemakers. But do not either, on the other hand, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, that that means just peace at any price. There's an important verse, and I don't think I put this on the, on the overhead, but you might want to jot it down, Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18 is a very important verse. It says, as much as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. As much as it's in your power, be at peace. In other words, I can't guarantee that you're going to be at peace with me, but I can guarantee that I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be at peace with you. As much as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. Now let's talk a little bit about this peace. And what it looks like. I begin to wrestle through this and say, okay, peace is kind of a, it's a big overarching word. And, and to be a peacemaker, how, how do I go about doing that? And, and what is that supposed to look like? And so what I want to focus on this morning is the last part of the chapter, because I think it gives us a clue, some practical ways to be a peacemaker. All right. The clue comes at the end of the verse when he says, they shall be called the children of God. Because Jesus uses that same phrase a little bit later in this sermon. Look with me down in chapter, chapter 5, but down at verse 43. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We're just a little bit further down. And we'll get to this later on in this series as we go along through the sermon. But notice what it says in, in verse 43. You have heard... Actually, I'm going to skip down in verse 40... 40 um, well, no, I'm not. I'm just going to read in 43. Let's read it together. Here we go. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Look at verse 45. So that you may be the sons or the daughters, the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Did you notice that in verse 45, he talks again about being children, sons and daughters of the Father. Just like he did, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So whatever Jesus is talking about here in verse 43 through 47, it fits in with what he was talking about being a peacemaker. He's giving us, he's expanding. The Bible is being commentary on itself. It's showing us, it's expanding this idea of being a peacemaker. So look with me at verse 43. You have heard, it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right. So the first thing it says in being the children of God, of being a peacemaker, is you need to love your enemies. Okay, on its face, that's difficult. But again, love is another one of those words that has, we use it a lot and it has little meaning anymore in our culture because we love everything and really love nothing. All right? I love ice cream. I love chocolate cake. I love church. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my car. I love where I live. I love my job. You know, you see, we use love for everything. And so because we use it for everything, it doesn't have a lot of meaning to us anymore. And so when we say love, love your enemies, so what do we do? Well, the Bible says love my enemies. Okay, I love my enemies. I just say it. I love my enemies because the Bible says I'm supposed to love them, so I love them. But how am I supposed to do that? In a practical way, how am I supposed to love my enemies? Well, I don't kill them. All right? That's how I love them. I don't kill them. Well, good for you. All right? You get a star for that. I'm not sure a gold one, but you get a star for that. Okay, but you didn't kill them. Um, I don't know that that bar is quite high enough, though, all right, when it comes to loving my enemies that I just didn't kill them. All right, well, I try to not say mean things to them. That's also really good, okay? But how in very practical ways can I be a peacemaker by loving my enemies? How can I do that? He's going to give you two very practical ways in this passage, all right? The first one is pray. Pray for them. Pray for them. He says, you have an enemy. You have someone that you're not at peace with, or they're not at peace with you. He says, I don't want you to hate them. I want you to love them. He said, I want you to love them. I want you to bless them. The word bless there in the Greek is is the word we get eulogy from. In other words, I want you to say nice things about them when at all possible. Well, they're not really a bad person to be as awful and wicked as they are. Um, you know, I mean, we, we kind of couch it, and go around, but he's saying, no, I want you to be able to bless them. I want you to pray for them. Okay, Lord, I'll pray for them. I'll pray that you smite them. All right? That's how I'll pray for them. Lord, they're wicked and evil, and you need to deal with them. All right? So just get them already. Say, how do I pray for them? 
Jesus continues. This is one of the things I love about this Sermon on the Mount. It, a lot of what Jesus is teaching, he's going to explain. A lot of what he says in the Beatitudes, he's going to expand as he goes through the rest of the sermon. So how are we supposed to pray for our enemies? We don't know that in, verse, in chapter 5, but in chapter 6, he tells us how we're supposed to pray. Matter of fact, we call it the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. But he goes through it and he says, here's how you're supposed to pray. So here you've got an enemy. I've got someone, let's say Katie has been really, really mean to me, all right? Now, if you know Katie, you know that's not true, all right? Katie would not be mean to anybody, all right? But Katie's been really, really mean to me. She's my enemy now, all right? And, and I'm upset with Katie, and it's hard to like Katie, and it's hard for me to say nice things about Katie. But I read what Jesus says here, and the Holy Spirit's stirring in me, and he says, I want you to pray for Katie, all right? Well, how do I pray for her? Lord, would you help Katie see that she's being mean all right you know that's where i would normally isn't that how you would normally pray lord they help them they're all messed up and help them not be messed up no when jesus goes through the model prayer he gives us a pattern first of all and i'm just using katie as an example by the way katie's never been mean to me all right so i'm just making sure that's clear all right i'm just using her because she's right here in my line of sight all right, and so Katie, I start praying for her. And I said, Lord, the first thing I want is I want everything in Katie's life, just like I want in my life, to bring you glory. Lord, would you let everything in Katie's life bring you glory? Just like I want everything in my life to bring you glory. You say, why do you say that? Why would you pray that? Because the scripture says, Jesus said, begin with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Glory to your name. Praise and honor to your name. Lord, would you help Katie and help me that everything in our life and in, our, in her life, in my life, in our relationship, that it would be about your glory and about your honor. Now see, I have laid a whole new foundation now because it is not about my comfort or my pleasure or a desired result. It is about his glory. And once it's about his glory, it changes everything else. Because I can... I can receive and even endure a whole lot of stuff if it's not about my comfort or my pleasure, but it's about his glory. So I'm praying this way. You say, by the way, you say, how often do I pray this way? Every time my heart is bitter or not at peace or not at rest, that's a reminder for me to pray every time. You say, well, what if that happens 50 times a day? You're going to pray a lot that day, all right? But it'll be a good thing. It'll be a really good thing. And so I'm praying, God, in everything in Katie's life and in my life, may we honor you. you. Now, some of you are thinking, some of you are smart. You're thinking, what if my enemy's not a believer? You know, that's the amazing thing because Jesus, when you, when you look through Scripture, not just with Jesus, but even looking in the Old Testament, you see God so often. He even used unbelievers to bring himself glory. He used a donkey. I love the story of Balaam and the donkey. That's the real, if God can use me, he can use anybody. If he can talk through a donkey, he can use anybody or anything. He can bring himself glory, it doesn't matter, even if they're an unbeliever. And of course, the greatest glory would be for them to be a believer. What I want them, this is the glory I'm praying for, Lord, is the glory of you revealing yourself to this person and them receiving you. That's most important. I'm going, to run, I'm, going to, I'm going to chase a rabbit right now, but I think it illustrates this point. In Luke 13, when Jesus was telling this story, he said, there was a tower in Siloam, and it fell, and 
I believe it was 13 people died. I can't remember the exact numbers. But there was a number of people who died, or 18 people who died there. And Jesus asked them a question. Do you think they were worse sinners than all the rest, and that's the reason they died? And he said, no. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What is Jesus doing here? There's a number of things. I could preach three or four messages out of that one passage. But here's one that's very important. You need to see it in relation to giving God glory and him receiving honor. The fact is, is that Jesus is saying what we would think is terrible is the headline, Tower Falls 18 Die, all right? You know, ISIS attacks and all of these people are killed. This terrorist thing took place and this is awful. This is happening in our government and it's a terrible thing. And you say, that's what's so, that's so important. This is, we need to be praying about that. And we do, we need to pray about these certain things. God, you need to show your glory and all this. But what Jesus does is he takes this big event, this big broader thing that we would say is the most important thing. And he brings it down to the most important thing, which is the individual heart, every individual's heart and their response to God. And he's saying, you think they were more wicked? No, unless you all repent individually, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You think it's a big deal because 18 people died. You think it's a big deal because it was a plane crash and a lot of people died. You think it was a big deal because it happened in Washington and it makes all the headlines. And Jesus is saying, I want to get deeper than that. I want to get to the individual heart. I care about. And by the way, my glory is attached to the individual. It's attached to the individual. We think his glory is attached to the big. We think it's attached to that which is impressive. We think, well, if God wants to get glory, I remember this as I was, when I was younger, I always thought, well, it's really great when one of these, one of these athletes or one of these musicians or one of these stars, when they come to Christ, that's really great because they can have greater impact and God can get greater glory. The fact is that's not true. They may have more notoriety, but it doesn't necessarily bring God more glory. God's glory happens individually, one heart at a time. One person at a time. That person that I'm angry with, that person that I'm bitter with, that person that I hate, that person that I can't stand, I'm beginning to pray, God, manifest, display your glory in them, that one individual. Show your glory in them. He goes on in this prayer, he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So Lord, I'm praying for Katie. I'm praying that she'll advance your purposes here on this earth and that she'll understand your will and walk in it. Would you reveal your will to her and let her walk in it? I have not once asked God to zap Katie, all right? I have not one time said, Lord, just let some bad stuff come to kind of push her along. I'm simply saying, God, allow your purpose to be carried out through her and your will to be revealed to her. And to me, to both of us. Because here's the thing, we may not like it, but it may very well be that the, will, the purpose and will of God for me at that moment is that Katie was mean to me. Because he's doing, not that he made her be mean to me, it's just he's doing a greater work in me. So I'm praying, God, your purpose and your will be done in this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the Lord, the same way it's instantly done there, Make it that way here. Make it for Katie and me that we instantly hear and obey your, your word and your will. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, whatever needs, whatever physical needs that Katie has today, would you supply those for her? 
Now that just doesn't seem right, does it? Lord, you need to withhold some of that stuff so she'll get the idea she's doing the wrong thing. No, I'm praying God meet her daily needs, the needs that she has today. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, Lord, I wish you had just left that one right out of there. All right? So again, I have the opportunity in my prayer to say, Lord, I forgive. Whatever was done to me, by your grace, I forgive. I release it. I let it go. And I'm praying, do such a work in Katie that she'll also know the joy of living in forgiveness. Yours and yours that you work through her for everyone else. You begin to see how this could change you. I mean, the Lord knew what he was doing when he was laying this all out. Of course, obviously he knew what he was doing. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, protect Katie. Protect her from the attacks of the enemy. Protect her from the lies that he would speak. Protect her, Lord, from the ways he'd want to destroy her. Lead her not into temptation. Deliver her, Lord, from the evil one all of his schemes, all of his plans. Lord, are there lies that he's telling her, things she's believing? Oh God, protect her. Set her free from those things. Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's because it's all about you, Jesus. And if I have to go through some difficult, uncomfortable things in my life so that Katie can see and everyone can see that it's your kingdom and your glory and your power then Lord thank you for giving me the grace and the strength to do that now I'm living as a child of the king now I'm praying I'm being a peacemaker I am with all of my heart wanting to see Katie walking in full relationship and experiencing all that Jesus is and who he is. And whatever it takes for that to take place, whatever I have to go through, it's okay. Lord, help me keep my eyes off of me in all of this and start caring about somebody else and praying about them and for them. And you say, Troy, you make that sound so easy. Oh, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. But it is transforming. It changes you. He changes you as you go through this. And you say, well, that all sounds good. That's a nice little, that's just, that's a a neat little package message. No, this is not a package message, but this is my life. I have on any number of occasions had to practice the very thing that I share with you today. And I know he works. I was going to say it works, but it's not an it. He works. He works in me. He works through me. He works on the other side of the situation. And there have been times I could, if I had the freedom to name names and do everything, I could share with you where I prayed this way and the Lord changed the other side of the situation and it's really great today and it's great with them and it's awesome and you love it and you think, woo, and we, we make testimonies out of that. But there's also some where it never changed on the other side. It has not to this day changed on the other side. But I changed. I changed. 
as much as it lies with me, I'm going to be at peace with all men. I want to be the child of God. I want to be called a son of God. There's one other here that I'm going to quickly mention to you. And it's just about as hard as the first one, all right? So they don't get easier as we go along. He says that not only do you pray for them, but you greet them. Verse 47 says, greet them. Some of your, some of your Bibles say, salute them. <laughs> Years ago, before Lori and I got married, we had, a, we had a good friend that we worked with in ministry, and she married a chaplain in the Navy. And I had never, at that time, I'd been around the military all my life, been around the Navy all my life, but I had never been to a wedding that was kind of officially Navy, all right, or military in that way. And they did some really cool things. I don't know if they do this at every wedding like this, but they did it this one. It's really cool. For one, when they come out, the recessional, they had all of these guys in uniform with their sabers extended and they come through. It was really cool. Do they do that at all military weddings or is that, yeah? Is that yes? No? Okay. I had never seen it before. I thought, man, that's really cool. Um, you know, the guy in me is like, I'm coming right through all these swords. I mean, it's really awesome. And, um, but there was a part in the, in the, David sitting back there smiling. He's getting ideas. He can do this where he and Joanna. All right. Um, so, um, one of, the, one of the parts there in, the, in the, the bulletin said after the vows that the, the groom was going to salute his wife. Uh, I know this is a military, what's he going to do? You know, he salute her? I mean, what is he going to salute? No, he wasn't going to salute her. He was going to kiss her. That's just the term they use. He's going to salute her. That's a good picture, though, for this word. Because... That was very common in that day when a greeting wasn't just, hi, how are you? Let me get away from you as fast as I can. No, you literally, you literally came up and you kissed them on one cheek and then you would kiss them on the other. You would open up and you would embrace. You'd bring them in. You'd expose yourself. Not in an inappropriate way, but you know what I mean. You'd, you'd, just open, your, you'd open up your heart, your emotions, your feelings, okay? Make sure I'm clear. I want to be clear on what I'm saying here. <laughs> it was kind of like this morning when I came up and I was going to greet Linda. And Linda doesn't shake hands for like two years. She hasn't shaked hands. And she said, I haven't had a cold in two years. And she says, so I don't shake hands. I hug you. So she'll hug me, but she won't shake my hand. And uh, she'll greet me. And, and it's really neat because with my hand, I can just stick my big paw out there and I don't really have to get close to you. But if I embrace, you, you got to get close. You got to open up. You got to bring people in. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, greet them. Open yourself up to them. Don't see them on the other side of the lobby and think, I'm going to go out this way. And see, we think, well, I'm doing a good thing because I'm avoiding conflict. No, you're not. No, he says, I want you to be a peacemaker. In other words, I want you to greet. I want you to salute. I want you to open up. Well, what if they are mean or bad? That's okay. Let them be what they're going to be. As much as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. Well, every time I do that, Troy, they hurt me all over again. 
I get that. That's, and I don't minimize that. But I would tell you this, that I believe that every time that you experience that by obeying Jesus, you can go to him and he's going to tell you something very special. Because you listened to him. You did what he asked you to do. And he's going to speak something to your heart. And so you may not receive from them what you would like to have, but I promise you you will receive from him what you need. Be a peacemaker. I told you this wasn't an easy sermon. This isn't easy to do. And it doesn't seem right to us. Now again, I am not telling you to water down truth. I am not telling you to act like everything that happens to you is okay or right. Because it's not. Just like everything that you do to someone else is not okay or right. I'm not saying that you have to somehow excuse sin. I'm not saying that at all. Jesus is saying, be a peacemaker. Pray for them and greet them. Open up your heart to them, even if they don't reciprocate. Those, he says, will be called my sons and my daughters. I'm going to ask Lori to come play. As she's coming, I'm going to tell you a story. It's not my story. It was actually shared with me by a friend of mine who's been a great blessing to me, a pastor. He's older than me. He's about 20 years older than I am. And he grew up in Texas. And um, he said he can remember when he was a, just a little boy that one of the ways that his father made extra money, they actually got by and were able to eat was that his father would bale hay for a lot of the people around and they would pay him to bale their hay bale it and haul it how many of you ever hauled hay bailed hay okay it's you then you know i used to spend my summers as a kid july in central part of mississippi hauling hay it's as close to hell as you'll get on earth (laughs) and um But Clark said he remembered as a little boy. His dad would have him out there, and his job was because he was small. He was like five or six years old. And he said, I had to sit up on top of the baler, up on top of the box that holds the baling wire. It's string, really, it's twine. Call it baling wire. I don't know why, because it's not really wire, it's twine. And he said sometimes the baler wouldn't work exactly right and one side would be loose and so his job was he had about 15 seconds to try to tighten to retie that and get that side tight so that when it shot out the whole bale wouldn't fall apart and then you have to go through it's a big hassle to go through and re-rake it and rebale it and all that stuff he said sometimes both sides would be loose and i had to be really fast to be able to tie both of them and he said i hated it he said it was hot and it was dry. And he said, I was only five or six years old. I didn't want to be doing this. And he said, you know, it went into hay season, went into the school year, continued even after school had started. He said, I'd go to school, but he said, sometimes I'd, sometimes I'd be coming home on the bus and I'd see dad out in the field and I'd say, oh, look, please don't let him come ask for my help. Please don't have him come get me. He said, one day I was coming home on the school bus and I saw dad down in the bottom land and he was, he was working and he, 
And he said, I don't want to do that today, please. And he said, he already made up his mind. He said, you know what? If he comes for me today, I'm going to tell him I don't feel good. I'm going to tell him I'm sick. And he said, I started to work up a stomach problem right there, you know, and just not feeling good. And sure enough, about 15, 20 minutes, his dad came and he said, he said, son, I need your help. He said, the, the baler is just not working right. And he said, I need to go to town and get a part, but I don't have time. I need to get this done this afternoon because it's going to rain tomorrow. If it rains, it's all going to be for naught. I need your help. If we work together, we can get this done this afternoon. But I need you. And Clark said, you know, Dad, I don't feel well. My stomach kind of hurts. I don't feel good. And he said, son, I know I need you. I really need your help to be able to do this. And he said, so he, he said, okay, Dad, I'll, I'll go help you. And they went down and they're working in the field. And he's riding on the baler doing his thing. And all of a sudden, the man who owned the field pulled up. So his dad stopped the tractor and turned it off. And Clark said, I was still sitting on the baler, but I could hear my dad talking to this man. And the man looked over and said, I see you got your helper. And Clark's dad said, yeah. He said, yeah, he's helping me. And... Uh, he didn't feel good today, but he's helping me anyway. He's a good boy. And then he said, Clark said, I heard my dad say something I'd never heard him before. And, then, and he said, I'm not sure I heard him say it many times after. He said, this was out of character for my dad. But he said, yeah, I'm proud he's my son. I'm proud he's my son. Some of you may have never heard that from an earthly parent. I'm proud that you're my son or my daughter. Some of you may have heard it all your life. But I want to tell you today that when you're a child of the king, he's constantly saying, I'm proud that you're my son. I'm delighted that you're my daughter. I want to be, I want to be called the child of God. I want him to call me that. I want other people to call me that. Here's a child of God. He's a peacemaker. He's a child of the king. That's our calling. It's a high calling. It's a privilege. And it's something that he does within us. To sense his pleasure. To know he loves you. Not because of what you do. But because of what you let him do through you. Just because you're willing. I want you to bow your heads with me. I hadn't really planned to go this way with the end of this sermon but the Holy Spirit seems to be speaking and so we're just going to follow some of you right now can't remember ever having an earthly parent tell you that they were proud of you that they were delighted that you were their son or daughter 
And you may say, well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And if you had that, you just thank God for it. That's, that's great. That's, a, that's a, just part of his mercy and grace. But some of you didn't. I want you to do something, if you're willing right now, just between you and the Lord. And say, just ask him, say, how do you feel about me? Are you delighted that I'm your son, that I'm your daughter? Just listen for his voice, what he might say. For some of you, you heard it from your parents, but there have been others who have deeply wounded you. Maybe you had a spouse, and they've communicated the exact opposite. They're not proud or delighted that you're their spouse. They're not thankful. Maybe you're a parent. And your children, they've never expressed or been able to express how thankful or grateful they are that you're their parent. All they've expressed to you is resentment. I want you to listen for his voice right now to speak to your heart. What does he want to say to you? Just receive it. I can tell you, personal testimony I remember the day the first time I heard Jesus speak to my heart and say I am proud of you Troy and I really really like you I remember it folks you cannot be a peacemaker unless you can rightly relate to the Prince of Peace. And by that, I don't mean do the right stuff. I mean, let him say the right things, the real things, the true things to your heart and you receive them. But if you'll let him do that, you'll be amazed how much easier it is to be a peacemaker. You cannot give what you have not received. So receive it from him this morning. And maybe I didn't mention yours, but the Holy Spirit did right now. He's mentioning, this is your deal. This is where, this is where you, this is what you need to hear. In a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to dismiss. We'll have prayer partners here at the front to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Any way that we can help. Lord Jesus, right now, I just pray for each one here. For those who have been hurt and wounded deeply, and Lord, quite honestly,
they have found a way to deal with it. They have found ways to cope. They've found ways to go ahead and function. But it's hurt them. It's hurt people around them. It's, it's limited us at times in being able to be used the way you want us to use, it, to use us. And we didn't even realize it. So Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace, speak peace today. Speak peace to your children. And those who don't know you, Lord, today, reveal yourself as the Prince of Peace. Reveal who you are. This day might be the day of salvation. Lord, again today, we open our hearts and receive what you want to say, what you are saying. And then, Lord Jesus, we open up our hearts again for it to flow through us to every person you bring into our life. Lord, make us peacemakers, that we're the children, the sons and daughters of God. That's who we are. We're the only ones on this planet capable of being peacemakers. Those who don't know you, those who are not your children, cannot be peacemakers. Not any kind of lasting peace. So Lord, work through us. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus.